Wamanjika, Hairamai. Welcome to Voices of Regen, a place for unapologetically bold conversations about regenerative business. Call Claire Wild My name is Claire Wild, and today we've got our third episode in the Earthshot series, which is highlighting and celebrating the Earthshot Prize. Um, if you'd like to know more about the Earthshot Prize and the Earthshot series, then we've got a whole podcast explaining what it is and why we're getting excited about it on Voices of Region. So we'll link that in the show notes um, and go check it out. So the Earthshot Prize in summary is centered around five Earthshots, which are simple but ambitious goals for our planet, which if achieved by 2030 will improve life for us all and also for generations to come. So that's pretty big. Today, we're exploring the Earthshot called Clean Our Air. Now this Earthshot aims to, by 2030, choose to ensure that everyone in the world breathes clean, healthy air at World Health Organization standards or better. And to learn more about this Earthshot in action, today we're really excited to be welcoming on a couple of very special guests to our podcast. Uh, today we've got Sean and Tim joining us um, from the Thin Green Line Foundation. Now they'll be sharing more about the Ranger Roundtable, which is a series of online discussions designed to raise the professional profile and support for rangers as essential frontline conservation workers. The Ranger Roundtable is, is a collaboration between the International Ranger Federation, the Thin Green Line Foundation, where Sean and Tim work, and the Uni Universal Ranger Support Alliance. It's managed by Regeneration Projects. So let's hear a little bit more from Sean and Tim. Sean, we might throw to you first. No worries. Uh, yeah, my name's Sean Wilmer. I'm the founder and director of the Thin Green Line Foundation, uh, former president of the International Ranger Federation and former ranger, but still call myself a ranger. So that probably sums me up. Um, everything I do is pretty much rangers, conservation and people brought in together, I suppose. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm here still working with rangers all over the world. Very cool. And how about yourself, Tim? Yeah, hi, Claire. Uh, Tim Schneider. I'm currently the, the general manager for the Thin Green Line Foundation. I'm a, a long-time friend of Sean's back in the ranger days when we were both out there in a park somewhere. Um, a bit similar to Sean, my background is ranger. I've been working as a ranger in various places around Australia for the, the last 30 years. Um, in particular, the last 10 years, I've been working with Maru, who are the traditional owners of the Western Desert region and just alongside the traditional owners of the of a large tract of the desert in Australia, and for me, a lot of it's same same with Sean. About trying to help position and empower rangers, both indigenous and non-indigenous, around the world um, through the foundation. So, yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Tim. And one really exciting initiative that we'd love to hear about more today is the Ranger Roundtable. Um, perhaps Tim, we might stick with you, and it would be really great to hear, you know, how the Ranger Ranger Roundtable, gosh, that's a tongue twister, came to be, um, and you know who the organisations are behind it and why they're important okay, to the, the Ranger. The most powerful thing that it's that it's providing is a is a, a a voice for rangers in a in a much different way that connects on a global scale. Um, the 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 biggest thing that's happening through the Ranger Roundtable is repositioning um, rangers or trying to trying to see the the um, position rangers hold as a front line of conservation 
in all of these places that we all value so deeply around the planet. Um, but yeah, I'd pass to Sean to, to give a, a bit of a description of how it came about because it's quite a good story. Yeah, well, thanks, Tim. Um, I suppose it's a common theme of creativity through adversity. <laughs> um, so COVID hit, um, we're getting emails into our office left, right and centre from ranges around the world asking, how can you help me through COVID? My wage has been slashed, my job's gone, um, uh, health and safety of my family, my colleagues. Um, and as actually Lee in our office said, well, hey, is there any central coordination happening for ranges to support ranges? And it's just in the corner of our office. And I said, well, no, there's not. We should probably do something and um, to coordinate this or help bring it together. Because I knew others were, were looking at it too, but there wasn't any central kind of point of, well, who's doing what? And so we said, let's get a round table together to discuss what we all can do and make sure we're not overlapping too much or that we just dovetail existing programs so yeah i suppose range around table is born from that need of ranges through a crisis and um you know we got jane goodall to the first one which brought a, a lot of people to the to the table to listen to her wise words about helping ranges and the, and the conservation movement through covid um and then yeah intergovernmental organizations world bank and un and IUCN and then donors, philanthropic organisations, NGOs like ourselves, and importantly, the crux of it all, the rangers themselves, um, telling their stories. So it was really a conduit for rangers to say, this is what I'm going through. Can you hear my story? I'll leave it to you now to do something with that story and and um, bring support back to the table. Um, yeah, and then we combined with Matt and Regen Projects and got, got it all kind of moving and I've got to say without Matt, it actually would, it probably would have stalled or been a lot slower. <laughs> so um, it's, it's put fuel under the, under the fire for, for Range Around Table. And the really exciting thing is it expanded out. We've got the focus sessions with all those intergovernmental organizations and I suppose the, the high level discussion, um, and it's an invite only discussion. Um, and then, which is open to, to new people to come into and then we've got the webinars, which are for rangers to tell their story and rangers to engage with each other. So it's, um, and now we're talking about the next phase where that could go regional. Um, so we can have regional roundtables so they can get more focused on their topic. So pretty exciting initiative that came from, well, against ad adversity <laughs> is mm. the creator of this. <laughs> Sean, that resonates so much. Um, a lot of the conversations that we've had on Voices of Regen have been around, firstly, as you said, um, responding to adversity. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of that over the last few years that we probably don't need to go into because everyone's sick of hearing it. Um, but also that concept of um, real grassroots and collaborative initiatives that, you know, respond to um, this the situation at hand and also use um, people with both um, lived experience and also diverse ranges of experience who can look at particular challenges or opportunities from a whole bunch of different angles and um, create the best solutions together. And I think that's such a common theme that we hear when we're speaking to people doing regenerative work on Voices of Regen is this concept of collaboration um, and the role that different perspectives can play in finding you know, better solutions and new and better ways of mm -hmm. doing things. Mm -hmm. One point that you touched on, Sean, that I'd be really curious to hear about is the collaboration between um, the Thin Green Line and um, Regeneration Projects. I'd be really curious to hear a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I met Matt f first through the Peninsula Hot Springs at our mutual friend, Charlie, um, who owns and developed the Hot Springs. And so a pretty entrepreneurial, creative guy himself. And at the instant I met Matt, I knew there was something special about the way he saw the world um, um, and the way he saw different partners. And I suppose the solidifying of that intuition was when Matt and I got to share a vehicle when we went out to the middle of the desert, to a Hot Springs in the middle of the desert with Charlie and another friend, a musician, Marty. We got talking along the way and just realized the ability of uh, Matt to condense a whole lot of information into a either a visual or a, um, a distinct set of ideas that one group had and another group had and see where the the overlap was where that collaborative space was. And I went, well, that's a really special skill because a lot of people like me are very, you know, I've got my ranges and someone over here has got their hot springs, but how those two things yeah, how do those two diverse things come together maybe um so there's a special skill and um, when we started range around table um i suppose one of the the really amazing thing about that and where matt came into that space is we had everything from the really immediate projects like a guy a ranger who lost his salary and couldn't afford his kids cancer treatment so thin green line stepped in to do that that's at that level of the COVID. and then we've got the the really large systemic changes that needed to happen and that's well and truly out of my space. Like I'm not that person. I'm not, I don't live in that, in that space. And Matt was able to bring all of that from this end to that end and say, oh, how do we, how do we address this issue? But at the same time, don't just have to keep addressing this issue, change, change the whole system. And so they're both really important. One is one can't exist. We can't just do this systemic change stuff and forget about the ground. And we can't just do the ground and forget about the system because we'll be repeating. So I suppose Matt's um, and Regen Project's space was to see there's that gulf between how do we actually bring those things closer together? And um, yeah, so yeah, well, Matt, Matt has a unique set of skills and Regen Projects has a unique set of skills to apply to something as big as that. Very, very cool. And I think, Sean, again, you've touched on this concept um, of sort of balancing big, slow change with small, quick change. And so the idea of big, slow change being trying to address a challenge or an opportunity at the system level, which can take a really long time, a lot of effort, but at the same time can have really significant ripple effects. And then at the other end of the spectrum, thinking about, you know, as you said, for that, for that individual person, um, you know, finding um, quick ways of addressing their challenges and opportunities that they're facing. And, and it sounds like through partnering um, with Matt and Regeneration Projects, you're able to kind of bridge that gap. And like you said, it can feel like a gulf sometimes between that system level, slow, big change, and also the individual level, small, quick change. So I think that's really cool. Um, tying this back to the theme of our episode, which of course is the earth shot um, called Clean Our Air. I'd really love to hear from you about how your work contributes to this earth shot and sort of the connection that you see between your work and this idea of, um, you know, enabling everyone to clean, to breathe clean, healthy air. Um, Sean or Tim, I'll, I'll leave it up to I'd you. I'd say to... that, you know, Ranger Roundtable started with, with the COVID adversity, um, but quickly, you know, with Matt and Regen Projects, but our partners, our International Ranger Federation and URSA, um, we started to talk about the repositioning of ranges um, with, within climate mitigation. So there's your clean air, you know, like we need that clean air, less carbon up there, less less bushfires. Ranges are actually both protecting forests, stopping the burning of areas that shouldn't be burning. 
um, you know, keeping uh, the um, security of, of existing areas um, and growing <laughs> new areas to regenerating actual forests. Um, so, but there's climate mitigation, there's biodiversity protection. We're in the midst of the sixth great extinction. So how do we reposition ranges in there? It's super critical role in climate mitigation, which is your clean air, um, your biodiversity protection, which actually relates to the whole biosphere, um, zoonotic disease, uh, cultural protection, et cetera, et cetera. So what started out of COVID became actually the repositioning of ranges in all that they do. Um, and climate is probably their number one with biodiversity protection um, as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's how it probably interlinks. The the yeah. Ranger Roundtable and through Matt's convening too on, on behalf of Regen Projects. I mean, bringing together all of the stakeholders that that think and talk about and are interested in and concerned about our natural places around the world is 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 almost like the starting point to try and get alongside rangers who are the front line of conservation and the people that are doing all the work right there every day, um, 365 days a year to maintain our, the biodiversity and to mitigate against parts of climate change and to, to, to do all of the things that are, many people are completely unaware of and unseen, but they're the champions that are, that are on the front line, you know, maintaining our natural places and, and, and keeping a healthy, you know, viable ecosystem, which of course is, you know, is connected up to, you know, everything that's around us, including the air that we breathe. Um, so I guess the the important, it is, a, it is a big vision that the Ranger Roundtable has. And as Sean really very, um, I think he described it beautifully, the way that, that Regen Projects and Matt is able to bring a whole lot of people together to actually have that conversation, which just simply wasn't happening before. So it's it's a it's a grand space that we're operating. We've got big ideas, and we've got a you know a grand plan, I suppose, to try and really bring together you know the everyone um, you know through ranges to try and improve the the the, the bio, biodiversity and the ecosystems and all the things that feed our our, our planet. Um, so it is it is it sounds big because because it is and and but it's something that we're we're really committed to and it's and it's actually getting it's going somewhere I feel really quite excited about it myself. Tim and Sean I think that was such a brilliant explanation and um you've really um eloquently described that really complex interconnection between you know the health of people and the health of um, animals and the health of our planet as well um, and I think that's a really beautiful note um, to wrap up our conversation on. So thank you so much, you two. Good on you, Claire. Sorry, it couldn't be longer. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Claire. So that was um, a really wonderful um, korero conversation with Sean and Tim. And now I might hand over to Matt to hear a little bit more about Regeneration Project's perspective on the Range Roundtable and particularly the future of natural capital investment. So Matt, how do you see this evolving and what is the role of rangers? So what's been really interesting is someone that's come from a background in, I guess, environmental design and management through landscape architecture and, and then, I guess, entrepreneurship and tourism development, often working in protected areas. It really struck me that rangers are the managers of the earth's natural capital. 
And they're not the they're not the only people that contribute to managing the natural capital, but they they are one of the the, the key um, focal points. And so when we talk about ranges, we're talking about government ranges, we're talking about community ranges, and also indigenous ranges. And so uh, through the series uh, of conversations between July 2020 and uh, our most recent conversation in May 2022, we've covered so many different themes from the impacts of COVID-19 on ranges uh, and this awareness that we need to reposition ranges as essential frontline workers, their impacts on the economy, uh, on contributions to One Health, that interface between biodiversity and human health, climate change, biodiversity loss, rural community development, and then this emerging uh, market of nature-based solutions. Uh, what we need to do, and the, the crux of this is to basically say, okay, at a global level and at a local level, we're trying to achieve these goals for climate, we're trying to achieve these goals for biodiversity, for health and so on. Where are we going to be able to put our money to create the greatest return on investment? And one of the gaps that we've seen through the Range Roundtable process is that historically there hasn't been a clear articulation and measurement of this return on investment of ranges work because, of course, within protected areas, let's let's choose an ecosystem uh, an ecosystem service like clean our air. Now, if we look at the Amazon, the Amazon are so much a part of the lungs of Latin America, but also the world, and ranges obviously play. Um, are a role in contributing to protecting um, and, and also restoring uh, those lungs, but they play a role. So what we need to be able to demonstrate is what is the value of the, the, the clean air that the Amazon produce, but then, the, then what is the contribution of ranges so that we can put forward a case to governments, to private sector, to not-for-profits, for philanthropists and say, well, look, these are our lungs. If we invest this much in ranges, this is how we're contributing. So that kind of narrative and that value chain or value cycle is something that we've had to recon not reconstruct, but we've had to kind of, um, uh, we've had to articulate, we've had to put on the page. And so what that means is that if we look at the system of uh, biodiversity and environmental finance at a global level. You've got organisations like World Bank, Global Environment, uh, Global Environment Fund, uh, as well as you know many other organisations. WWF is obviously a, a significant one, um, and then you've got these more grassroots, localised uh, organisations, and many of which are connected to rangers, and they're the ones that we're so closely working to. But uh, I think there's a statistic around there being roughly one $1 billion dollars uh, of of money that goes towards biodiversity finance each year. But there's a huge deficit in the the tens, or I think even hundreds of, of of billions of dollars each year. And so when we look at addressing the systemic issues that we've got, we've got to seriously question the way that the money is coming into these areas. And so it's going to mean maximizing the value that we can have from existing intergovernmental organizations, governmental organizations, and working at national and regional natural capital budgets. 
but also to open up this other nature-based solutions market, which is where the private sector is probably going to be able to deliver swifter uh, and potentially more significant uh, returns in the short term. And so that's what we're starting to explore now is we've got these common goals that businesses, organisations are working towards. We know that we've got these people on the field that, that have got the skills to do this work. They do need to be more professionalised and, and more coordinated. How do we create the bridge between the goals and the people doing the work? And that's where this finance comes into play. Yeah, Matt, that's really interesting. And I think we're seeing a lot of really exciting stuff um, happening, you know, in the finance world and, um, your, what you were saying reminds me of things like, um, you know, green bonds and even bonds related to the sustainable development goals and a whole raft of um, exciting financial instruments that are being used to support better outcomes, you know, both environmental and also social outcomes. So I think that's really cool. Um, and another point that you touched on, which again, I find fascinating is um, this idea of being able to measure a return on, in, return on investment when it comes to investing in um, really complex outcomes. You know, what um, Sean and Tim were saying around the interconnectedness between, um, you know, the health of people and animals and the planet and that those, you know, one health concepts, I think um, is equally important and also really challenging to measure. Um, and, you know, in the sort of, if we think way back in the sort of um, really traditional financial world, then that return on investment can be something that's quite straightforward because essentially you're comparing dollars with dollars. But then all of a sudden when we start comparing dollars with healthier ecosystems or comparing dollars with you know, better well-being, then that becomes really complex. And so it's really exciting to see um, all of this work coming together. My final question today um, is a key takeaway for our listeners. So in the, in the um, spirit of providing people with practical guidance to you know, help progress these regen conversations. Um, what practical steps, Matt, do you think our listeners can take to support rangers and their essential frontline work? Yeah, look, there, there's so many ways that people can get involved, but I'll, I'll just talk about a, a couple that immediately come to mind. So the first one, if we look at Regeneration Projects Works, the five capitals are the foundation, the strategic foundation, and the first capital in that cycle is our natural capital. So the invitation is for uh, businesses and organizations, leaders to think about the ecosystems uh, and the associated services uh, and biodiversity that are connected to those ecosystems in their supply chains. Now that might be, you know, on the, on the way to office, I walk along the Birurung Yarra River and, you know, I, I, it makes me, uh, walk into walk and leave work with a, a clear head and it improves my mental health and well-being. In the middle of the day, we go and do a photo shoot um, with our team out by the Birrarung and it serves as a, as a backdrop for that image. Um, or we go and run an event uh, along the Birrarung and, um, you know, again, it provides us with the service of creating a, a, a stage for the work that we do. So it's to basically it's to acknowledge those connections and interdependencies between our products and service and our operations and the ecosystem services in our backyards and some of the more remote ones in our supply chains that can be you know harder and more tangible. So that paper that you're using in your office, if if you still use uh, as we do very sparingly, 
paper. That paper is coming from somewhere and those trees are providing a service. Those trees belong to a forest. That is, they don't exist in isolation. So we've got to think then about who is managing those, those lands. And so for generation projects, what we do is we make a contribution uh, through 1% for the planet. So um, we, we basically provide in-kind and financial support to organisations like the Thin Green Lime Foundation, uh, Yarra River Keeper uh, Association as well, because these are people doing the work on the ground. I can't, you know, I personally can go and pick up litter along the Birrung and our local waterways, you know, once a week. But these organisations are designed to do this work and care above and beyond what is that base level that the government uh, organisations are, are able to supply. So if we want to go beyond sustainability, we need to give back more. And it's these types of organisations that are doing the work. The third thing, which is really exciting, um, Regeneration Projects has just become a partner organisation, an actor in the UN decade on ecosystem restoration. And what that means is that through our work, everything from our Regen Fridays, our grassroots work, to supporting initiatives like the Range Around Table, to developing a business partnerships program for the Yarra Riverkeeper Association, all of these things contribute towards these global uh, ecosystem restoration goals. So the invitation then is to think about, okay, your business is connected to the Birrung or to a, you know, a waterway or to a bit of bushland, uh, even a streetscape. What other businesses are connected to that same place? And then can you work together as part of a, a coordinated alliance to increase biodiversity um, over time? What does that look like? And so then you end up with these ecosystem partnerships, um, which might be really grassroots, like literally might be a street in the middle of Melbourne or your local city. But it also might be, you know, let's look at a statewide uh, chain of, of protected uh, areas and let's have you know, tourism or let's have cross-sector organisations saying, all right, we're going to take responsibility for our natural capital. We're going to give back more than we take. And then you end up in this whole other realm of opportunity and these new markets uh, that are forming. So it's a pretty exciting space. Oh, I love that, Matt. And I think that's a brilliant note to end on. Um, I think as you were talking, there was this word that kept springing to mind, um, which is a tereo or Māori word called um, kaitiakitanga which essentially means, you know, stewardship um, and is really about um, taking care of the places that we inhabit. And I think, um, yeah, that's a, such an important note to end on. And um, thank you so much for this conversation. Just wanted to say a shout out again to Sean and Tim um, for sharing all of their amazing wisdom with us today. Um, and we might wrap it up there. So Matiwa, everyone, um, see you on our next episode. And um, thanks so much.